Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Anthony D'Alessandro. And this is the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Today, it's all Eternals. Our special guests, Ryan and Kaz Furpo, who wrote the screenplay. The movie directed by Oscar winner Chloe Zhao opens on Friday. It's set to make, in its first weekend, $75 million and it's got an all-star cast. Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Gemma Chan, Selma Hayek. And Kit Harrington. Kit Harrington, Kumail Nanjiani. Yes. Ryan Tyree Henry. Uh, the list goes on. I had just realized when you said that, I realized how many Game of Thrones are in this one. <laughs> they, you, they, you just, Game of Thrones, you just, they always show up. But we're so glad that Ryan and Katz have shown up. So guys, thank you for being with us today. The very first question I have to ask you guys is, um, obviously, there's been some premieres, there's been some, some openings, you guys have done a lot of press. How does it feel now at this point? Because this has been an odyssey, both on and off screen. So I always want to get the sense from people. Mm-hmm. And we know the Marvel machine is so well-oiled for these kind of things. But Eternals is very different. So I want to get a sense from you guys, having written the script, what has that experience been so far? Yeah, I would just say right away that this is a 10-year overnight success. You know, we, Ryan and I have been making movies since we were little kids in our dad's backyards. And to be able to make a movie that's on the largest possible scale, on the largest possible screens. I mean, I have friends in South Korea sending me bus ads. I have friends in Paris saying, the billboard outside my apartment is Eternals. Like, how did you do this? It's just... Uh, it's one of the great honors of our lives to tell a story like this. There's a lot of us in this movie. You know, it is a really different story. It has a lot of different characters. It's going to be challenging, I think. It's the most challenging Marvel movie. And it's an honor to make something that feels uh, different. In well, well, Kath, I mean, to that, and, and I hope you don't mind me bringing this up. I mean, you know, you are of uh, Japanese and French descent, if I'm, if I'm correct about that. Yeah. Um, you were raised by two moms, which is awesome. Um, and I'm just bringing that up because... A lot of that is very much what I feel informs the movie. Look, it's a Marvel movie. Stuff blows up. Superhero <laughs> stuff happens. Let's be clear. Spoilers. Angelina's in it. Kit's in it. No, like, a lot happens. But it's, it also is taking it to places that Marvel hasn't been before. I know there's been a lot of attention around it, the fact that this is the first Marvel movie with a sex scene. I think sex scene should be in quotes. Sexy scene. <laughs> um, but I wanted to get a sense from both of you guys about how much in terms of your personal life that informs the kind of film we've had. Because you're mixing a lot from the comics, but we've seen in the MCU, the comics are not canon. The comics are more like a foundation. I wanted yep. to get a sense of that from you guys. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Every story uh, a storyteller tells has a piece of themselves in it. I think that that's absolutely the case, especially with a film like this. We wanted to make a movie that reflected the world that exists around us. You know, the world is not just Captain Roger. We love Captain America more than anything. And this is a film that reflects the planet, you know, not just America. 
Um, and we, we also grew up in the Bay Area. We're both from the San Francisco Bay Area. It's an incredibly diverse place, a lot of different people. And I think having a really strong sense of identity is what allows you to, to bring that to a film on this scale. You know, there was once upon a time there were 12 Eternals and two of them didn't make the cut. And what we really saw with this story, oh yeah, that's, it's a, I feel like I'm allowed to start saying that because I think Chloe started saying that. So I feel mm -hmm. comfortable saying, we, there were two Eternals that we loved dearly. They have made the cut, they made it to the cutting room before. One day, maybe in, maybe in two for a little show again. Well, I was gonna say, um, maybe in the like 112 end, end credit sequences. We'll get to see. I mean, there are literally hundreds of Eternals. We were given a binder and we yeah. actually, when we yeah. first started this process, Ryan and I just sat down, we flipped through the pages and we picked the ones that we thought could best reflect the world, whose powers were most interesting and compelling. And that's really was our journey from the beginning. This is a movie about a family. And we said, this is a found family. Ryan likes to say a circus family. And we wanted to make sure that it, you know, all over the world, people would see themselves in this movie for sure. Well, Ryan, get, Ryan, if you let me ask you that. I mean, and and Kaz mentioned Chloe, and obviously Chloe, fresh off winning an Oscar, which is you yeah. Know, um, and but I, but I think that reflects in it. There's one of the elements, of course, in this that we know from Chloe as a filmmaker, and we see in the film is not a lot of green screen here. This when you're in a place, yeah. you're in a place, and I think I think Eternals. There's a lushness to it, both in the narrative and in the visual, because of that. What was it like you guys collaborating with her, taking the story to the script stage and then obviously bringing it to the screen? Yeah, I mean, we came on uh, and did a couple drafts before Chloe came on. Um, and that was really, that's just kind of how Marvel does it. You know, they're not totally sure if they're going to go forward with everything they started developing. And after our drafts, they felt, okay, this is a movie, like, let's make this. And that's when they, you know, started to get serious about their director search. And so when they t started talking about Chloe, uh, we were really excited because we had seen the writer and we thought it was amazing, just like everyone else. And uh, and then when she actually came on the project and we all got to sit down in a room together for the first time, we just kind of started, about, started talking about it ourselves and talking about like our journey to get to here. And that's when we kind of started to realize how much overlap there was between her pitch materials and our pitch materials. Like we, we before we had even met each other, we had a lot of the same ideas about what this could be. So it was a really good um, chemistry from the beginning. And Chloe, you know, with as much success as she's had at such an early age, she's very grounded and very easy to talk to and just makes everything feel um, uh, just more um, accessible. Um, so it, it was a really good, uh, good collaboration. And uh, just speaking to like her style uh, in terms of using like, using like um, real locations and natural lighting. I mean, that just is totally, that's something that, that's what we were already envisioning for the, for the movie anyway. Like our inspiration points for this, we wanted to tell this epic story and we're looking at movies like Lawrence of Arabia or The English Patient, you know, like these movies that, that give this sense of scale and scope, both in human emotion, but in landscape and in, in, in setting. Um, so we were all kind of on the same page there. And it was really exciting to see how she was able to carry that over into the finished product. Kaz and Ryan, how did this all begin with you? Did, had Kevin Feige seen some of your doc shorts? Um, and I mean, what was their idea with going real deep universe here? Were they, were they already talking multiverse? Yeah. I can speak to that very quickly. There's a yeah. sort of a fun and sort of a unlikely journey to Hollywood. I think that's always the case. I think that there should be Okay, so did, did, were you guys sitting at a soda fountain and Kevin walked up? And... It's crazier. It's far, <laughs> far crazier. There really should be a podcast I'd like to co-host it with you where you just ask people, like, how did you get here? Because it's truly bizarre. We were, 
we were documentary filmmakers. Ryan was making uh, feature docs about the rise and fall of online poker. I was working for UNICEF and doing a series of films in Jamaica and the Syrian border and telling human stories. Um, and well, during right, that time- yeah, Let's be honest. One of your documentaries did win an award at the Santa Barbara Film Festival. You were at South, I mean, you guys were on the radar. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's, and that was really our passion. It was, if you want to learn how to tell stories, make documentaries because you shoot all of these 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 footage, these answers, these questions, and you suddenly have to go, okay, how do I make this into a, something somebody wants to watch? And so Ryan and I, uh, we didn't have any family in Hollywood. We didn't have the agent, the manager. We had no connection, but we decided to write a script together that like we could go and make. Like, let's make a movie that you can, write a movie you can make for under a million dollars. That's really how the journey began. And we wrote this script called Ruin. And truly, I was in Jamaica. I just finished this documentary, a producer, from UNICEF said, I want to introduce you to my sister's fiance. He works in the film industry. Not an exaggeration, not a joke. That became our manager, Sam Warren. He changed our lives. It was an incredible journey. And Ruin ended up winning the blacklist. And yeah. that was really the thing that opened the door. So we had a lot of love for Franklin Leonard. Thank you, Blacklist. And, um, and that's what got the script in front of Nate Moore, the incredible producer, one of the incredible producers of Eternals. And that first meeting, it was just like a love connection. He's just a yeah. really fun guy. He was working on a movie that no one had ever heard of at the time called Black Panther. And uh, it was before it came very, out. Very minor release. Not Small film. <laughs> Small film. But it's nice and that you name check it. That's cool of you. It, you know, <laughs> it's important. <laughs> Spread the love. And, uh, and from that moment, it was just sort of like, hey, we have this property. We don't really know, you know exactly what it could be. Would you be interested? And for us, right away, I was a classics minor. I spent four months in Egypt working on an archaeological dig in college. And sort of studying the ancient world was something I'd always, always loved. And you could see so much of the pyramids, you know, the Domo, all these things. They, they come and, and sort of, if you've seen the film, there's, there is, spoiler alert, archaeology in the movie. Yes, spoiler you know? alert. <laughs> if you're into antiquities, the Eternals for you. <laughs> that's your that's your jam. I mean, this is what we always say. And it's, you know, it's at the risk of being a little academic, it's like, We've been telling these same stories about gods and heroes for thousands of years. I mean, yeah. it's a truth. It's just the truth. Like 2,000 years ago, the Greeks were sitting around going, man, this guy can shoot lightning out of his fingers. And you're like, yeah, that, okay, we have him. His name is Chris Hemsworth. He's really nice. Like, it's the same extended metaphors for if the gods are fallible, then it makes it okay to be human. Here's a question I have for you guys. Uh, Please. Were, were you comic book fans? I was a comic book fan when I was in my uh, like early teens, and I actually was a I was a illustrator, and I really wanted to be a comic book illustrator. That was my kind of first passion. But you know, um, admittedly, at the time, I was really into like uh, image comics, which were kind of like the the bad boy kind of upstart <laughs> label at the time. Um, so I didn't know tons about the, about Marvel. I, I knew obviously the the big um, the greatest hits. The, yeah, the greatest hits exactly. But uh, but anyway, that so I, I wanted to draw. And at some point I, that kind of plateaued and I started to get interested in the stories and then started to write uh, like short fiction when I was in my mid teens. And then that kind of evolved into, into movie making because it was at a time when like DV cameras were just being uh, coming out and you could edit movies that were look pretty professional on, on your own home computer and et cetera, et cetera. So that, so I kind of went from there into movies, but it, yeah, it did kind of start from my love of comic books. When did the whole conversation of multiverse become a reality like you said when they gave you the ip to adapt they're like we don't know what to do with this was it because of eternals that they went into this whole multiverse direction with loki and everything or did that come up i don't know afterwards 
Yeah, I mean, we can't speak to it definitively with a list oh, of being that, but you I hit the marble wall. It's probably a glass temple, but you hit it. Well, there's a guy across the street. He's looking at me and he's waving a face. Yeah. Out of marble. He's, wearing, he's wearing like yeah. a Lee Harvey Oswald t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, no, no, what I will say is, you know, it's the logical conclusion of where we wanted to go with all of these incredible stories. I mean, Eternals is really launching us off into the atmosphere, into the, the cosmos. And, and that's yeah. a whole door. I mean, Guardians touched on it, Thor touched on it, but there's how many planets, how Marvel. many stories. Exactly. Yeah. And there's so many places we can go yeah. and, and see and explore. And with the multiverse, I mean, that's just intrinsic in the MCU. I mean, if you are yeah, in yeah. the Marvel universe, if you've been reading six, you know, Earth 616, Earth 613, you know, there's all yeah. these different planets. I mean, we, a big inspiration that we really loved when we were reading the comics for Eternals was um, Earth, Earth X. X. Yeah, yeah, Earth X yeah. by Jim Kruger yeah. and, and the incredible team who made that story. I mean, that's a crazy, if you want to read a, a yeah. little trip and really be yeah. taken on a, on a sort of history and who's who of the Marvel Universe, that's a great yeah. run. And even, you know, the Neil Gaiman run of Eternals is an incredible read. Um, well, and that's, so, and that, yeah. And also, like, talking about all the different runs of Eternals, it just speaks to why the multiverse is kind of intrinsic to, um, the, the, to the comic book medium. Because yeah. basically comic books, how they work is that different artists, different writers come in and do their iteration on that, on that character or that set of characters. And so by, by opening up a multiverse for the MCU, now you kind of introduce that possibility to kind of do that, to basically tell different versions of the same story, the way that they've been doing comic books for the last 50 plus years, you know? Yeah. So, so to that, you guys are, if people don't know, Ryan and Kaz are cousins. Mm -hmm. um, how does that work in terms of the creative collaboration between the two of you? We talked a little bit about working with Chloe, but between the two of you, do you, I mean, is it like the two of you sit in a room with two laptops across a table and just work on pages or do you email? What is that process like in real time and, and when you did the Eternals? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of yeah. everything. You know, there's, I'll yeah. do a little shout out here. There's an incredible piece of software called Writer Duet that we've been using for like the last 10, we've written every movie we've ever worked on together on this software. It's essentially Google Docs for scripts. So it lets you literally in real time, like be working on the same line. As you're literally doing an ad within the middle of I it. just can't help <laughs> it. You know, I come from commercial. You've written a Marvel movie, dude, you're good. The, the short version is that with this, it allows you to sit in a room and have an idea at the same time, you know, and, and that's really what it is for us. We love to talk. You may have figured that out, maybe not. And we spend a lot of time, honestly, with a hacky sack walking in a circle in this windowless office at Marvel. Oh, right. you know, yeah. Most of Eternals was written in this, the Black Widow conference room. I think we're allowed to say that. It has no windows. There's a door with a lock and only six people have access, like Kevin, Feige, Nate Moore, Chloe, and then like the writers. You know, like we're the ones who yeah. can go into that room. It's a private, secret, like hermetically sealed chamber. Yeah. What's on the walls? To just give us well, an image. First of all, I have to say, it's really a magical place. Like when you use your key card to walk past yeah. the Iron Man suits into the like private sanctum of Marvel, it's it's incredible. Even if yeah. you're not the biggest super nerd in the world, which we are, uh, it's magical. So for us, even for our, our jaded writer hearts, it's just like you walk past the Thor yeah. hammer, you're like, should I try it, to pick yeah. that up? And then you yeah. walk into your room and the walls are covered in art. Incredible Ryan Minerding, I do have to shout him out, the head of visual development at Marvel. He's reading pages and going, ooh, this is cool. And then literally drawing the ideas that we're having like on a weekly basis. So you're like, oh, here's That's a great amazing. Team. It's That's an incredible amazing. way to yeah, come in and there'll just be a, like a new artwork on the wall from something we were just talking about 
uh, wow. you know, a few days ago. So mm-hmm. that's it. Then that really just inspires you to keep going and, and digging even and, deeper. And they're iterating because that's what we always say. Exactly. Marvel, their gift is it's the people. There's no like algorithm that they're using or like a super machine that they're plugging this stuff into. It's the people there love what they do. That's just the truth. And so when you're going in there, well, and has, like, they do have pretty great source material. It's, you know, it's only the best IP in the <laughs> well, entire planet, yeah. maybe. It's been a while for them to find uh, the, the correct adaptations. So, you know, it's, it's so a lot true. of credit to Kevin goes there, you know. And That's true, right? You know, That's Eternals true. is a story where we really wanted to bring a lot. We brought, we feel, and you even said this, we brought a lot of ourselves to that story. And that's the gift that they give to filmmakers, you know, all across the board. Is they let, I mean, Shang-Chi is what it is because Destin and Simu are such incredible voices. And they had so much they wanted to say. And the whole team, you know, uh, finds what they love about something and then can bring, bring it to bear, you know. And, and for us, you walk into that room and you've got all the cards on the wall. Ryan and I, speaking of the process, you know, we write with cards, which is just such a, it's one of those things that's almost like a cliche now, but it's just so incredibly effective. It's like this happens and then this happens. And it's shockingly easy when you can move the cards and go, oh, okay, like, let me rearrange this order of events. You know, I know that they're going to go to the, the Tenochtitlan, the fall of the Aztec Empire. I know that's showing up. So where is it going to land in the story? And you have these yeah. cards. You know, a blue one is a flashback. A, a red one is a vision. You know, we're using a color system. I mean, one day, my dream is to be able to, to put some photos up of what that process was like. Because it looks like, you know, like those mad, like when you're doing a, a, an investigative report on a murder and there's like photos of different suspects and like ropes and wires. Oh my God, did bit. you guys have a little red string connecting your story? <laughs> That's the yeah, only thing bit. we, did, we yeah. didn't have. Um, and then also one of the last things that I really loved was as a historian, as a classics minor, as somebody who studied history, we had something called a histomap. And oh, a histomap yeah, cool. is a literal grid it's essentially a linear grid of all of human civilization. You can go by these. So you online. go from like you go from like the Sumerians and the Zoroastrians up to like three guys in Times Square last week. <laughs> it is literally based on 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 the the size of the empire is the size of a line. So like the Roman Empire balloons out yeah. them. So you can see these moments in history for like when different empires were rising and falling. It's an incredibly visual way to like make yourself feel really small. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. You know, yep. if you realize that the Romans have been doing this very well for thousands of years and then they fell. So that was an incredibly useful tool for Eternals because when we started this journey, we said, let's take people somewhere that has never been on camera. You know, we've never shown these, these places on camera before. And Kevin, Nate, that was the mandate from the top of the top. So it was really a great yep. experience to dive into that. Guys, are you on board writing the sequels oh. or a spinoff series? Well, we can say, only thing we could say is that we hope people really love this movie and they go see this movie so that we can go and start writing the sequel. Oh, come on, yeah. Kaz. I think you guys have a few ideas. I mean, <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, I'll just say, no spoilers, because this, this drops before the film actually opens. Um, yeah. Little open-ended at the end. Stuff can happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a, big, there's a big door, you know, and I think the question is, does the audience want to step through it? I think that's been a big thing. Obviously, uh, I had the great pleasure of doing the Eternals press tour in Rome and in London, which is just like such a joy for, to leave the windowless room for like a few days and be reminded that like, this is why we tell these crazy stories and spend all this did time. Ryan, did Ryan have to stay in the room? He, 
I had to stay. Yeah, and I'm writing uh, the next five Eternals down here in, in the bomb shelter. So I, yeah, I couldn't couldn't go. Well, uh, yeah. that's the proud responsibilities of a father and a bachelor. Um, ah, yeah. But the the journey. I know, I'm I'm there. I'm having uh, a lunch with Kit Harrington, who's an absolute gentleman, like maybe the kindest person on earth. And he's asking me, "Are we doing Black Knight? Like, is that happening?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the that is how deep the Marvel secrecy goes. Where the people who are the stars of the movies are asking, and I'm saying, "You know, I don't know. Do you know?" And, and it's a it's a big question. It's a conga line of saying, "Like, why? Well, I hope people like this enough that we all get the phone call in a couple of weeks." Um, I want to go back to something you brought up at the beginning. Please. Who were the two Eternals that were cut? Was it, at the <laughs> stage? was it at the script stage or was it literally from the film itself? No, no script they stage. Were, they yeah. Were, yeah, it was in the early script stage. I mean, like, I feel comfortable name dropping yeah. them because Chloe has actually well, said yeah. this, so you go for it, Ryan. Well, I just was gonna, I was gonna say that, you know, from the beginning, I think that they just had, they'd like the idea of having a dozen, you know, like it's yeah. just a nice number and so, that's they were kind of pushing that and uh, and we were saying like ah oh, it's a little that's quite a lot of people that we've never met before to you know with a with a big crazy a lot of backstories a lot yeah, of backstories yeah but they were just sort of like let's try it and so we did it for one draft and then the very first thing they were like okay let's only have 10 you know that's <laughs> the first thing that they said but um so i mean i guess yeah we could just talk about we could just say like who the other eternals were i mean one of them was uh vampiro mm-hmm. who um was a favorite of uh, it was, great it was actually <laughs> Falcon, the healer, the medic, who became in his modern life Vampiro the Luchador. I forgot that uh, there was that even that. He, yeah, we got the, it was, I mean, these, yeah. were, these are whole pages, yeah, there are dozens right. of pages yeah. of Vampiro. Can I, can, I ask a que- can I ask a question? And this, this might seem very technical, but when something like that happens, because there's a perception of the way the MC works, the MCU yeah. works, right? There's a perception that there's kind of a there's a machine and there's a committee structure, and these are these films go through that. And how do you after you write a draft, how do you take two characters out? And then reconstruct. Is the, is it modular or is it just, actually does yeah, it involve I mean, a full rewrite? In this case, you know, you just take a lot of the attributes and, and the things that those characters were doing, and then just kind of um, fold them into the, some of the other characters. So some of the relationships that were isolated out for those particular characters that were that were doing whatever their dramatic function was just got kind of folded into the other characters and, and just concentrated down. And that happens like not even not just with MCU movies, but just with a lot of scripts. It's always just like how can we uh, shrink this down to as few as characters as possible so that each character, because the, the more dimensions you add to a singular character, the more multidimensional that character is. So it's better to have, you know, like one great character than four sort of mediocre characters that represent the same thing, you know? So what, what I would say is also like writing a movie, any movie is like doing a thousand piece puzzle in your mind. Like that's, that's what it's the process is, right? You have like thousands of little pieces and you're trying to be like this one, these fit really nicely together. And you just don't have the luxury of doing it on a piece of paper, you know? So you've got it up there. And when you take out a hundred pieces, you have to rearrange the other ones to make it all make right. sense. So, you know, you're yeah. really trying to, to solve this puzzle that the pieces are moving. You might say, oh, you know, you can't actually shoot them a volcano anymore. So that's done. Now that's, you know, you have to put, you're slotting in all these things that you've, dreaming about it, you're thinking about and trying to make it all make sense. And that's the joy. You know, you have people who are good at what they do and passionate about it to be able to solve the hardest puzzle. That making any making any movie is a miracle and to be a part of a, a big and crazy and ambitious one, that's one of the great pleasures, you know, to watch something different be made in this world. It's been a tremendous yeah. joy having you guys with us. 
Um, can I just say, Kaz Ryan, um, if we ever need guest hosts, are you guys available? Or if we want to <laughs> extend our Hero Nation franchise, we'd love to make this into a fantastic four. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for being Very with us. Very flattering. We love, we love big talkers, because that's how podcasts work. And we love big talkers <laughs> who have lots of great stuff to say. You guys are fantastic. Great success. Uh, one quick thing. Please. Where are you going to be on opening weekend? Oh, we're, we're literally sneaking around, going to all the movie theaters, watching the lines with the people. We'll be there. Like, we're, we're literally, yeah. I'll be at the Chinese theater in IMAX watching the movie from the very back, being like, why aren't they laughing at that joke? <laughs> 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 you know? So we'll, we're, we're fans first and foremost. You know, that's the truth. Like, we really love cinema. And if I can leave anybody with anything, it's this is a movie that, like, deserves to be seen on the yeah. biggest possible screen. It was shot in IMAX. It's an IMAX movie. It's yeah. big. It's loud. Like, see it the way it was and, made. Yeah, and aside from just the technical aspects and the scope of the movie, I mean, this is a movie about humanity. So go, please, please go see it amongst your fellow humans and be a, be, make it a collective experience, because that's what this movie is. Whenever you want, yeah. Coach, just, like, bring us in. We'll, we'll be talking <laughs> this podcast. I love talking, so. I mean, look, that was one of my favorite ones of our Hero Nation so far. I think I say that every week, though, so I should be careful. Yes, you they're do. All, they're all my favorites now. But, um, and we really do hope Ryan and Kaz come back. Um, but thank you so much to you guys for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Obviously, we're on Deadline Hollywood, but make sure you also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode because they're only going to get better, and this one was pretty great. Of course, you can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com. So Eternals is opening this weekend worldwide. There is so much out there in genre. you got to see it all. A lot of people are saying it. Get back to the theaters or you see on streaming. But this is the place to be. We'll see you next week. We'll talk to you next week here on Hero Nation. Take care. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.